After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers, if we've learned anything, guys, it's that there's always a catch. So when I heard that for a limited time, all Mint Mobile wireless plans are 15 bucks a month when you purchase a three-month plan, I thought, what's the catch? But after talking to them, it all made sense. There isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they sell wireless service online. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly on to you. I haven't skipped a beat using Mint Mobile services. I have a great service even when I'm traveling for over less than 70% of what I was paying before. Listen to Uncle Chael and say bye-bye to your overpriced wireless plans, jaw-dropping monthly bills and unexpected overages. Mint Mobile is here to rescue you with premium wireless plans starting at 15 bucks a month. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all your existing contacts. Ditch overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash chael. That's mintmobile.com slash chael. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash chael. $45 upfront payment required. That's equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower, above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Guys, I'm really into things that add more convenience to my life. It's even better when it also comes with safety in a high-quality package. I'm talking about my Eufy Video Lock. I'm still loving this thing. I love this thing so much that I'd like to invest in the company. I am so impressed with this product that I'm willing to back it. And if anyone out there knows how I can do it, please reach out. You gotta check it out for yourself. I'll probably do a quick social post, but for now, just search UV Video Lock. Do it online. It's a three-in-one smart lock, 2K camera with an audio and doorbell. It's easy to install. It has fingerprint recognition, so I don't even have to remember a code. I can control it all in an app, which again, the convenience is such a big plus for me. We are always on the go, and being able to monitor our home on the road is such a nice option. Not only that, I don't have to rush to the door if the doorbell rings. I can either open the door or ignore whoever's at the door by vetting them through the app. There is no monthly fees for security video storage. The battery is rechargeable, and each charge lasts about four months. This Eufy Lock is fantastic, and I highly recommend it. Search Eufy Video Lock online. That's Eufy, E-U-F-Y Video Lock, or visit eufyofficial.com backslash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your front door. What's happening, guys? Happy Friday. And thank you for joining another special episode of Your Welcome. Well, we're a couple days removed from UFC 271, and coming up later in the show, I'm going to talk about the middleweight division and the fights that need to get made next. I'll also discuss some outrage 
over Michael Bisping, Conor McGregor's eventual return and the rivalry between Covington and Masvidal. All of that later. But let's first begin with some news that came out a few days ago. Benny is out, Bobby is in. Okay, so Benny versus Makhlchev had a lot riding on it. Possibly number one contendership, right? Conor McGregor's always floating around this division with some ridiculous narrative, but Conor could make that ridiculous narrative become true, such as when I return, regardless of what my past record is, I could be going and fighting for a championship. And that was not dismissed. That was not just totally brushed off. So I get that we got a wild card floating out there called Conor McGregor. Aside from that, back to reality a little bit. It looked as though Makhlchev versus Benny. Winner will take on the winner of Gaethje versus Oliveira and the undisputed championship of the world will be contested. So what do you do with Benny out? What do you do? I don't think you do anything different. I don't think that's fair. But I also am the one and only guy that believes there should be a forfeiture clause within this sport like there is in every other sport. If you agree to do something and you admit, I can't win, I don't think it matters what the reasoning is. If you woke up with a cold or in this case you hurt your ankle, I don't think it makes any difference. Once it's agreed to, that date and sign and that conflict is going to be resolved, including through that of forfeit. I'm not going to win that argument. But I do think that for Makhlchev, again, if this was any other sport, and you have a semifinal round, regardless of hook or crook, substitute in this case. If you've done everything the same, everything needs to stay the same for you. We've seen within this sport where that hasn't happened before. I disagree with it. I'm alone. This is a weak argument by me. This is not the hill that I want to die on, but I do believe that. So I would believe that if Makhlchev wins, he should fight for a world championship. I think you guys do too. I don't think anybody's going to push back on that. I also believe that a semifinal has got to be good for both guys. If Makhlchev is to win in the main event, Makhlchev goes on and fights for the world championship because of the success he had in that specific night, then his opponent, Bobby Green, should be shown the same. That's what I think. I can be talked out of that. I can be bullied on that. I can let you push me around. Again, this isn't, by God, it has to be this way. But I do think that, for sure. In fighting, it's all chips in at all times. You don't have to get called. You don't have to bluff. You don't have to raise. All your chips are in. Whatever you bring into that ring is on the line. Prestige, money, championships, and opportunity. The one thing that everybody forgets about. Everybody wants to know, what am I getting today? I'm being mistreated today. No, set that aside. You want an opportunity. And I do believe that this is a semifinal bout. That's what it was scheduled to be. And whoever walks in there, into that red corner, it was supposed to be, we were hoping it would be Benny Darush, but we've done our part. We did everything we could do. We set the ring. We set the date. Got the weight class. Rules are unified. Venue is apex. We got everything. And I think that Bobby Green should be shown that. I don't think that it would make any sense for anybody to take that kind of a risk. If there's no reward, that's what I think. I also think this is huge for Bobby. 
For whatever reason, Bobby Green's had a hard time getting over with the audience. I will submit for you right now, if you want to be a fighter and you get as good as Bobby Green, you can stop right there. You do not have to get any better. Bobby Green's skills would make him today's world champion in four different weight classes. I can't guarantee one of those weight classes is the one that he happens to be at. You took Bobby's skills and put them in Kamar Usman's body, still going to be champion. You put those at 85 and Adesanya's body, still going to be champion. You move him to 205, you move him up to heavyweight. That's how good Bobby Green is. Bobby Green checks every box. Now, he can be hit. He's a human being. You can go to the judges. You can screw. You can't just take Bobby down keep him there and kick his ass. You can't just punch him on his feet and he doesn't know how to roll and bob and weave. You can't come out and start kicking at his legs and he's got no defense. There's no holes with Bobby Green. This is a meaningful fight. Extremely. I don't know what's going to happen here, but Islam Makhlchev is really on display. He's returning to a main event in what we believe is a number one contenders match. We believe that all the way to the point that Justin Gaethje, who's in the undisputed title match, has said, Islam, win more and more fight and I'll make you my first contender. I don't know that Oliveira has said the same thing. I don't know that Oliveira needs to say the same thing. I'm only suggesting for you, Makhlchev is going to be graded a little bit different here. Makhlchev is absolutely dominant. you got to search to find a round that Islam has lost. You've got to search those fights within the rounds to find a position that he's lost. One scramble, one scenario, it's different. To make believe that anybody, including Islam Makhlchev, can go out there and dominate Bobby Green, it's very hard for me to see. It's very hard for me to close my eyes and see that. And there was a lot of expectation being put on Darush. A lot. I mean, I can go to the hangman. Dan was talking about, Dan picked Benny, and he had just fought Makhlchev. Nobody ever picks against the guy that they just fought that beat him. You just don't do that. You always pick that guy, and you tell people how great he is, because psychologically, it's a way of lessening what happened to you. Yes, I got beat, but I got beat by this guy that was so great. Dan said he was great, too. No question, but he said, I think Benny's better. Particularly if it stays on his feet, I think Benny's better. I think if Makhlchev gets on top, I think Benny's good enough to scramble and get back up to his feet. I mean, all of a sudden, when a guy from the locker room who's in the know, who's ranked in the top 10, it, those, those opinions matter. And so putting him in here with Bobby Green, this is a very different fight. In some ways, guys, I think it's better. Bobby Green's short notice guy. Bobby Green is always ready. I want you guys, I really want you guys to learn something from Bobby here. I always had a hard time in my career with my own teammates. To get them to understand. I coach kids now. I have a hard time getting them to understand why it's so important to be in practice today. Getting better today. Getting better tomorrow when the competition is a period of timeout. Or you'll have your backup guys, JV, that don't even get to experience the same thing as the varsity guys when it comes to going to district and city championships to advance and qualify to state, to advance and qualify to the national. I don't ever want you guys to forget this, okay? It is much better to be prepared for an opportunity and have the opportunity never come than it is to be presented with an opportunity and not be prepared. Bobby Green is always ready. He deserves credit for that. Bobby Green will take on anybody. He deserves credit for that. He's going into a five-round fight when he's in shape for three because it's what he just did. He deserves credit for that. Bobby Green can make weight on a week's notice 52 weeks a year. He deserves credit for that. Bobby Green beat Al. Big deal. 
It's a big deal if you can beat Ally Quinta. Ally Quinta to this day was not only Khabib's hardest fight, it is who Khabib says was his hardest fight. Bobby Green is a pain in the ass for anybody. And you guys got to understand, I get that he's not the favorite. But I think that we also get winning is what he wants to do. We as viewers don't need really need to see him win. We need to see him win a round. We need to see him win a sequence. We need to see him get up off the bottom or make Islam work to get him there. We need to see something else from Bobby. I think that's what makes this so exciting. I wanted to see the Darush fight. Darush, Islam, boom. I'm on board. Bobby, that's very interesting. And I, I can't tell you for sure. I don't want to see that more. It's one leg up that the UFC has on every other organization in the history of time. When a main event falls apart, they can replace it with equally or better main event on short notice. It's the number one leg up that they have. I think that might be what happened here. I think that might be what happened here. An in shape, ready to go, angry Bobby Green, who's been given the only thing that Bobby's ever wanted, which was an opportunity, is now in the main event. I think we have a job, guys. Right? We're fans. Bobby owes us something. So does Islam. Yes, they do. For sure. But they've now done it. They've now agreed that the show goes on. We have a job to make sure this is heard. That everything stays the same. We were told the number one contenders fight is going to happen. We owe it to Bobby to make sure it does. So that's the news of the week. Now let's turn our attention back to 185 pounds and what the future may look like for Israel Adesanya and the rest of the top guys at middleweight. All right, guys, you're in charge. What do you do? Middleweight, what do you do? I imagine you're going to book a fight between Adesanya and Cannoneer. It would certainly appear that that's the right thing to do. And I do think that Cannoneer has shown us Absent of Robert Whitaker, he's the next best thing, right? I mean, Cannoneer's been damn near perfect. He showed everything in his fights. I mean, he can punch and he can kick and he can wrestle. He can deal with adversity, which you just showed us against Brunson, right? He can weather a storm. He can come back. He's awesome. He's an absolute stud. But MMA math does factor in at some point. The last loss that he had was to Whitaker. Whitaker just failed against the same opponent. It gets a little bit tough to how am I going to present this fight? That could go on to be an amazing fight. Who cares? If your job is to book a fight, you got to know what is going into with anticipation, not what came out the back end being good. There's all sorts of fights that were good that nobody saw. Your job on the front end as leadership that I'm tasking with right now is what do you do ahead of time to build an anticipation? And let's say you're going to show an integrity to the rankings in the sport, which is done ever so often. For sure, you're booking Cannoneer and Adesanya. For sure. But that leaves a lot of other players. What do you do with them? I got some inside scoop. I won't tell you who I got it from. They're looking at Sean Strickland versus Paulo Costa. Now, whatever Sean Strickland does next, if he wins, he will be next for the winner of Cannoneer Adesanya, particularly if that winner is Adesanya. Right, I can see if Cannoneer was to find a way and upset Adesanya, I can see where they go uh, right into an immediate rematch and get that business settled sooner rather than later. But once we know this, once we have some real clarity, and we very seldomly do, 
And we have not had real clarity in a meaningful amount of time at middleweight. I mean, we all believed and knew the next best thing to Izzy Adesanya is Robert Whitaker. Robert Whitaker didn't want the match. Robert Whitaker went out and had two or three guys. While being offered Adesanya, he still went and fought multiple guys preparing for the match with Adesanya. That's okay. But what I'm speaking to is just the fact that we haven't had a real clarity here. It is crystal clear, Sean Strickland, one win away, bring in anybody you want. Put any human in front of him. Once Sean gets done with him, Sean goes and fights for the title. Have I won you over there? Are we at least, are we agreeing on this? Okay. Well, then let's go back to the rumor at hand, which is Paulo Costa. I love in a fight when we have a semifinal match. When we have a, a number one contenders match, it's extremely rare. More common is to have a big match, and if this guy wins, in this case, Sean Strickland, he gets to fight for the belt, but that doesn't mean it's a number one contenders match because if this guy, in this case, Paul Acosta wins, he does not. What do you do in those situations? Because it would seem as though if you're taking the only guy who is clearly one win away and you're putting him in there with the Terminator, who's beaten damn near everything he's ever touched, it seems like you're putting... The goose in a risky spot. That doesn't mean you don't do it. Sean Strickland wants to fight Paulo Costa. Nobody wants to fight Paulo Costa. Nobody wants to fight Sean Strickland. Get these guys together. Let them both do the job. But I would imagine if you're in Adesanya's spot, and I keep saying this, and Adesanya's never backed me up on it, so perhaps I'm wrong. But I would assume if I was in Adesanya's spot, I'm looking for some fresh blood. I'm looking for some parity. The mere fact that Cannoneer is going to be next, whether you like him or don't like him, you've never competed with him, that's probably exciting news for Izzy. So now you still got to build that fight. I would put them both on the same card. If I was responsible for it, if I've agreed that I'm going to put Sean and Paulo Costa, I'm going to put Izzy and Cannoneer on the same card. I'm going to feature middleweights. If anything happens to Cannoneer, I'm going to grab Sean. I'm going to send him up the ladder. Well, you got a lot that you got to deal with with Paulo Costa, including the fact of can he make weight, right? Can he make weight after what he just showed us? He didn't just miss weight for that last fight. He missed it twice. They agreed on 85, then they agreed on 95, then they moved to 205 pounds. I don't mind the fact that Paulo Costa wants another shot and he wants to come back down there. I think that Paulo Costa is a real threat to Izzy Adesanya. I do think Paulo Costa underperformed in that first contest. It seemed like he left his skills in the locker room. That's a real thing. So I am the opposite of a hater. I'm a full supporter. But if we've got our next golden goose in Sean Strickland, that's a tough, that's a tough damn match if you do the math the way I'm breaking it down, which it doesn't matter who Sean beats. Sean just has to get a match in between now and the next availability to a world title fight, which appears to not be available because Cannoneer has called dibs. Am I saying anything that sounds off here? If I said anything so far that doesn't sound right, and I do think that Whitaker should speak up quickly. A lot of people thought Whitaker won that fight. Now, we don't need to rehash that, do back and forth. It was a close fight, hard one to call, no robbery. I thought Whitaker won. I do not think it was a robbery. It was a really hard fight to call. We did at least come away with the same understanding that we left Madison Square Garden when it was Covington versus Usman Part 2, which is we found the right two guys. We have found the right two guys in Whitaker and Adesanya. How do we get them in here a third time? Whitaker has said very little, but he did say, I will do whatever it takes to get in there a third time, whoever I have to go through. I think Whitaker needs to speak up now and loudly. 
I think he needs to come out and sell himself. I wanted Sean Strickland to try to get in front of Cannoneer. Now, if you had allowed me to place a bet, who's going to get the next fight, Strickland or Cannoneer? I would have bet it all on Cannoneer. I understand the reality. I just think it would serve Sean very well to start speaking up and start fighting for things that aren't just within the unified rules, that are with headlines, that are with esteem, that are with prestige, that are with placements on a card. I like Sean to start going for that a little bit more. I'd like him to make his case loud. And even if he gets swatted away, to be the first thought in everybody's mind the next time that same job offering opens up. That's what I would like. And I think Sean had a way to go. Cannoneer was ranked higher. Cannoneer fought more recently. Cannoneer has not won a round since Sean Strickland has won two fights. That's a relevant fact. Cannoneer stopped Derek Brunson. He did not win a round. One round was completed. You tell me we're splitting hairs here. I don't give a goddamn. I'm not talking about reality. I'm talking about making a compelling argument. Sean Strickland has won two main events before Cannoneer has even won his last round. I thought he should have been screaming that. I've beaten seven guys in a row. You didn't even win a round against Derek Brunson. I thought he could have tarnished him a little bit. I don't think that argument's going to win. I get what Cannoneer did. I think the Cannoneer's the right guy. And I, we have everything but ink dry on a contract. I'm talking about the argument. I'm talking about to make sure that you're not passed over. I'm talking about speaking up. I'm talking about getting eyeballs on you. Sean Strickland, he's got it all figured out. He's doing crazy Sean. He's going to run with the crazy thing. I get it, but crazy Sean has got a head on his shoulders, which is why he went for the gimmick in the first place. And even if you're going to get swatted away, and in this scenario, he is. They found the right guy, which is Jared Kennedy. You can still be the backup fighter. You can still get on that same card. There's still politicking to be done. There's still placement. Even once they find your opponent, when, where, there's a whole bunch of this game that's being played. I wanted Sean to have his say. And I do want to hear from Izzy. I do want to know if I'm right. Am I right that Adesanya would like to see some new opponents? Some fresh opponents to study, to mimic, to prepare for? Because Adesanya's in a very tough spot. He's a level of greatness. He's a level of greatness where things get expected to him that are not fair and aren't expected of others. But when you have these true great, they can't lose a round. Then all of a sudden, not only can they not lose a round, they must stop everybody. And then not only must they stop everybody, they must stop everybody fast. And they must stop them decisively. Like There's just things that are put on Adesanya that aren't fair. But it's his reality. People think that he's in sparring sessions or he's holding back. Look, the greats oftentimes have two different speeds. George Foreman, he'd set you up at one speed, boom, and he'd step it at a different speed as soon as he lulled you into believing that. Then you have MMA fighters. Use Vitor Belfort, for example. I have never seen Vitor waste energy. If Vitor moves a hand in your direction, he is looking to end the night. But there's very few Vitors. There's a lot more Adesanya's. I don't have any problem with the way Adesanya's fighting. I think he's smart. I think he's tactical. I think he's getting better. I think it's unfair what's expected of him. But if that is now the test to be one of the truly great draws from one of the truly great athletes and champions in the sport today, it's still his reality. It's still his cross to bear. And coming out with great fights is after the fact. The skill of the business comes on the front end. How do you build anticipation 
for a fight that the odds makers have this lopsided. Listen up. Uncle Chael is going to share with you one of his newest secrets to boosting productivity. No, I'm not going to take you through the seven habits of highly successful people. It's one secret. A magical elixir I have come to love called Magic Mind, which happens to be today's sponsor. Magic Mind comes as a tiny little shot packed with ingredients that will improve focus, increase daily productivity, and even bring down your stress levels. That's exactly what it's done for me. It has matcha, lion's mane, turmeric, ashwagandha, vitamin C, vitamin E, and more. I take it alongside my morning coffee, and it has consistently given me a steady state of clarity and focus. I got a lot going on daily. Got to get the kids to school, TV obligations, create interesting daily content for you guys, which I love, but I also coach wrestling, and I take my son to gymnastics. And that just covers half of my day. I needed something that would help me to stay present and focused while getting it all done. Athletes have Gatorade, now creators have Craterade. One thing I didn't expect was it curbed my appetite and I lost a little bit of weight. This little green shot looks like it might not taste so good, but it is a very pleasant taste. I told my son I am taking Hulk juice. You can take it alone or throw it in a smoothie. If you're looking to drink less coffee or quit coffee completely, Magic Mind is a great alternative to coffee. It will lift the mental fog without the jitters. Try it for yourself and tell them Uncle Chael sent you. Go to magicmind.co slash chael. Use the discount code CHAIL for 20% off. That's magicmind.co slash CHAIL. And use the discount code CHAIL to get 20% off your first order. You're welcome. I just had an interesting talk. I was talking with Robin Black. And Robin's got a show on a major network in Canada. Part of what Robin was talking about, the whole conversation had to do with Colby versus Masvidal, with how real this grudge is, with the fact that a grudge match sells and is more interesting to you, the audience, than a main event or a title fight. Nothing in the sport of combat tops or trumps personal grudge. Okay, we're stating the obvious, but then a little less obvious is, why is that? Why is that statement that I just made true? I would be open to hearing from you guys, and I certainly hope you leave me comments. I'm going to read them all, but I'll submit my argument. I don't know how strong I am on this, though. I think in the argument about to lay out, I think if you have a whole pie, I've identified a pretty good slice. I argue for Robin that it's because we can all relate to it. We all understand personal grudge. Even if we don't understand fighting, we understand inside of us we would like to fight. We have the rage. We are angry enough. When something happened to you on a personal level, and there's codes to the street, which is where Masvidal came from. And if you live by the codes of the street, it comes with rules. And one of the top rules is loyalty. When you think somebody is your friend and you find out that they are not your friend, there's retribution that you must do. Whether you're going to win or not, you must. It's another one of the rules. Colby Covington, I mean, when I talk about this as real, guys, they were teammates. Colby's not allowed in that gym anymore. Too toxic of an environment. And I'm quoting the leadership of the ATT. I imagine they looked at the two guys that have a problem with one another and just went with seniority. Hey, Masvidal's been here longer. Colby, you, you've got to exit. It was something along these lines. But either way, this has happened. 
Because there's nothing more frustrating. We can generally see through conflict that is manufactured. We see guys constantly trying to manufacture conflict. And they'll get on the stage and they try to have a quick barb at this guy, hoping that he'll barb back to him. And all of a sudden, they can be mad at each other. When the fight's already signed, it doesn't work the same. Why did you sign the contract? You have a problem with the guy because you're about to fight? That's not enough. It's not bad. We'll take that over not getting anything. But it's very important. Did that grudge in this beef precede the signing of the bout agreement? Okay. So I just think that we can relate. I just think that we understand it. I think there's a reason that some of that has always sold and always drawn. I think that Jake Paul, in large part, is doing something that we've all aspired to do. He just had the courage to go out and do it. It drives boxers crazy that Jake Paul, who does not have the paper or the resume or the experience of world champion, of Olympic contenders, can fight after them on a card and draw in uh, more eyeballs. It drives them crazy. But I think one of the things they're missing is not just that Jake was a celebrity, that he brought his own audience. That's part of it. He's also doing something that many people have aspired to do. I think we understand that. I think we understand what a personal grudge is. You know, there used to be a time in life. It was very important that your village or your tribe had somebody who was good at fighting. Because if somebody came to invade, they weren't going to take your property. They are going to take your life. Very true, historically speaking. You needed to have some good fighters around just in case. So you get in the world like combat. We don't have anything that we're fighting over. Not from that historical standpoint. Not life. Not property. Not land. Not family. So you throw a belt out. You throw a belt out. Somebody got this bright idea somewhere. And guys like me will dedicate their entire life with the same kind of commitment as the old tribesmen had to do just to grab that damn belt. It worked. It just simply works. It is the single greatest marketing tool I have ever seen. So what do you do when one's not on the line? What do you do when you do proceed it back to old territory days? Whose territory is this? Whose turf is this? Who makes the rules here? South Florida's a big place. It ain't that big. American top team, damn big place. It wasn't big enough for the both of them. This is real. And I will tell you, nothing stands out for me more. And I have a resentment to it to this day. Mike Tyson and I don't get along. I don't know that we have a big beef, but in all fairness, he'd rather not see me and I'd rather not see him. But it all predicates on him stealing $50 from me and all of you. He fought Lennox Lewis. He's a thief for doing it. And then he comes out after the fight, grabs the microphone before he even leaves the ring, and says, that was all for promotion. I love this guy. Fair enough. I'm glad that you two worked it out. But you defrauded me and the rest of the public out of $50. So give me my money back. There is nowhere in the world that you can say one thing to get a sell, sale that is opposite of what you promised. I, you don't sell me a steak and then bring me chicken. And I go, excuse me, this is chicken. And the bill is representative of the more important steak. And you go, I was just trying to get the sale. You can't tell me a car has got a six-disc CD changer, it's got an AM, FM radio, and then go, well, I was just trying to get the sale. That's illegal. It should be illegal in fighting as well. If you're trying to bring people in to part with their time and money to observe a conflict that we found out doesn't exist, do you see, do you see the difference? And Colby Covington has already showed us his sincerity. He had an olive branch extend to him the night that he finished part two Rounds six, seven, eight, nine, and 10 with Kamar Usman. There is a bond that happens when you compete with people. And Kamar Usman felt it. Kamar Usman knew 
This is in my rear view, but this is a damn good fighter. This is my biggest threat. That's the hardest match I've ever had. And Kamaro said beautiful things about Colby. Colby took that olive branch, snapped it over his knee, and threw it back at the champ. Said, I will see you for part three when this continues. So we just know there's a sincerity, right? It doesn't get more real than that. Of every great thing that Colby gave us leading up to his fight with Kamar Usman, then five wonderful rounds, him refusing to bury the hatchet when it was over was easily my favorite. Because now we know it's real. Now we know what's important. Now we know what's really inside of him. And you have to be very selfish, almost to the point that you have a black heart if you're a competitor. You have to be willing to take everything from that guy. No matter how hard he's worked, no matter how bad his family loves him and needs it, no matter what support and what sacrifices he made, you are going to take it all away. you got to have a black heart. I felt as though Kobe showed us that. I felt as, uh, not only did I not want my money back, I would have paid double. If there was some way to do it, th give me a QR code, I'll throw in another 50 bucks. But it was because it was so authentic. And we just don't get that very often. It's about some prestige or it's about some money. I didn't hear one of these guys complaining about anything. Colby's asking Dana, let me have this match. Masvidal's asking Dana, let me have this match. There could be more behind it. Maybe there was a great big negotiation and it just stayed away from me, but I found it refreshing that I didn't have to hear about it. The hell do I want to watch two guys fight for if one of them doesn't want to fight? There's some things that make special matches, for sure. Personal grudge, top of the list. But when it's about honor, when you have two workout partners who know full well how this fight's going to go, I don't know. You guys don't know. We didn't get to see. These two guys know, and whoever's coming up short doesn't care. Go ahead and get your hand raised. I'm going to break your nose before you do it. That means something. I mean, that does mean something. When something's important to a guy, people want to talk about, I'm not promoted enough. You're not promoted enough. What the hell does that word mean to you? Because I'll tell you what it means to the rest of the world is your story. Your story being told. Big fights have a better story. Fights that people want to see that are monster fights. The audience has been told the story and they like that story more than other ones. Real simple. It's no different than a movie. It's not about who the best thespian or the best actor is, not in terms of who's bringing in the biggest box office, who's going to have people talking about it, who's going to go home and buy that, put it in their collection, who's going to rent and watch it again year after year. The best story wins. This is a story, and in this case, you've got fiction and nonfiction. This is as true and real as stories get. George and Colby are some of the biggest names in the UFC, but they're still nowhere near the level of Conor McGregor. Now, all of you guys keep asking when Conor's going to come back, and I haven't talked about it in a while, so let's get you up to speed. Conor McGregor. What will Conor do? What should Conor do in his first fight back? Now, I don't love the idea if Connor wants to be the champion of the world, which is what he says. I don't love the idea that he gets thrown right back to the wolves right off the bat. That is going to be something that Connor's going to have to deal with, and we're all going to have to deal with because he's too big of a draw. He commands too much attention and too much money to fight anybody other than a top guy. But I only bring that to you because if you're out for a period of time, you have the right to come back. You have your right to st put your toe in the pool. 
boxers do it all the time. They call it a tune-up fight. Now, a tune-up fight is meant to be very condescending, that you're looking past this opponent and you're just doing him for preparation. It's hard to sell a tune-up fight. I'm just sharing with you that it's very common. And I do think that Connor versus Dustin Poirier Part 2 was that comeback fight. I have never seen Connor look so bad. Connor won a whole bunch of minutes of that fight. Connor put up a damn hard fight. It's still the worst that I've ever seen Connor look. His body look, physically looked the weakest. His timing seemed to be off. I'm being critical here. But many people believe that Connor is the greatest fighter to have ever done it. He was a simultaneous champion in 45 and 55 at the same time, which are the hardest weight classes the sport has. He was king of both of them. So you got to be real critical. To find something with Connor, but there was a performance somewhere that was Connor's worst, just as there was a performance somewhere that was Connor's best. I have identified the return fight, Poirier Part 2, as his single worst performance. And if we are right that Connor, like all human beings, has a tendency to not come off the shelf and look as good as when he was active, we're recreating that as he has been forced to the shelf with the injury. So whatever Connor was able to do, and I'm talking about prior to the return fight, Poirier, part two. Whatever he was able to do to simulate real fighting in the gym, he's now not even able to do that. It's now not his choice. He's having to get creative with the things that he can do for working out. I've seen a lot of the videos. He does a good job. He puts them out. He shows us. I mean, the other day, he's got a weight around him, and he's doing pull-ups, and very different from fighting, though. So if we've already been shown once that Connor has the same tendencies that every other human being alive does, which is to come back and not quite be in your top form... He's now forced to do it again. Who should he fight? I think that that should be a piece of his equation when he comes back. I don't think I'm going to get my way. I don't think Connor agrees with me, for one. I don't think Connor cares about that, for two. Connor may not be aware of it, for three. But they are talking about giving Connor a world title fight right when he comes back. That conversation did not go away. That got called to Dana White one time. And Dana did not dismiss it. He didn't commit to it, but he did not dismiss it at all. Daniel Cormier was conducting an interview with Dana, brought that topic up. Dana said, I'll tell you one thing about Connor. That guy has fought anybody, anytime. That guy can go anywhere and he can do anything. That seemed like the door was open. We've already heard from Charles Oliveira. He wants the fight. Got to see if he's the champion at the time. But D Justin Gaethje wants the fight with McGregor. So it seemed like everybody's wide open to the idea. And you have to consider that in. I think that's probably unlikely. I don't know that, in fact, Dana is as open to the idea as he said, but all I have is the one comment that he made, and he certainly wasn't closed to the idea. But you have to take that in conjunction with Pori and Diaz have both dismissed Connor all in the last week. That is nothing more than negotiating. I understand it. Don't think you have to correct me, but it's the first time ever anybody's dismissed Connor. And in this case, it's Connor's two greatest rivals, and they both teamed up, and they both said no. No to him and yes to each other. So let's just say that everybody's being sincere here, and you've taken those pieces off the board. If you take Dustin and you take Nate, and you move them aside as it pertains to Connor, you're left going, well, what do we do? Now I think I would like to see Connor fight for the belt most. Now I think that that does make the most sense. Very hard to imagine a scenario if it's not a world title fight, it's not Nate in a trilogy, it's not Poirier in a quadruple. What are we doing with Conor McGregor? It's a real question, and it's not one that we get faced very often in the sport. I don't think we've been faced with it in the last decade of Conor McGregor being in this sport. What do you do with Conor? You, you pick between really great options. 
This would be the first time when those really great options are smaller than they generally are. And I'm not sure that Connor has to come back at 55. I mean, that's another part of being out. Another part of that human reality of being, we don't get smaller with time, we get bigger. Connor's done some of his best work at 170 pounds. Connor McGregor versus Cowboy Cerrone is amongst the greatest versions of Connor that you've ever seen. I will remind you, it was at 170 pounds. So that would open up a whole nother Pandora's box. Because it could still be Poirier and it could still be Nate. With Nate, it's for sure going to be at 170. And Poirier has alluded that he'd like to go to 170. Why would they both cut weight if they're both going to get big anyway? It could likely be at 170. If it's at 170, we're having a whole other conversation. If it's what 170 and we have the ability as the viewer to draw parity for McGregor between two different weight classes, that's information we would like to have, right? There's no telling what we would do with that. There's no telling where we would match Connor up. That even brings back at least a possibility of getting McGregor and Usman in there together. I apologize, Masvidal in there together. I think that's a conversation we would have some fun breaking down and debating back and forth. But the first thing we have to know is when Connor comes back, at what weight class will he do it? And if we have a Poirier's Diaz to look forward to, and I'm leaning in the direction that we do, you've just removed two meaningful players from the board. And you do start to give a good look as to who's left and what makes the most sense. All of a sudden, Conor McGregor coming right into a world title fight against either Gaethje or Oliveira. It's not as far out of an idea as perhaps it appeared the first time we heard it three months ago. To close out today's show. There was some controversy about Michael Bisping and his 271 commentary, and I want to take a couple minutes to defend Bisping and the rest of the team that host the UFC broadcast. Words versus emotions. It all comes down to words versus emotions. I beg people to create an emotion from the audience. People will then quickly think, okay, how can I make them like me? No, that's one emotion. You can make them not like you. That's another emotion, but create an emotion. If they do not care, you are not making money. Simple as that. But how do you get an emotion? And why am I telling you that emotions are more important than words? Michael Bisping, Joe Rogan, said the same thing. They wore the same thing. They did the same job. Joe Rogan will make you feel an emotion. You feel something when Joe is there. And there's this big debate going on. Bisping brought this to our attention. I, I didn't know that he was getting any kind of flack. Bisping did a fantastic job on one day's notice. But you were missing Joe. And Joe does, I feel it too, guys. Joe Rogan calls big fights. If you agree with that statement, then adversely you're agreeing that if Joe doesn't call it, it's not a big fight. Do you see? And we all felt that, right? There's something there. Very special, took a very long time, a lot of hard work and dedication, but Joe's got it. And I do not think that Michael Bisping should have to defend himself in the least. Those are interesting shoes. Michael Bisping is a Hall of Famer who was the world champion that is now a triple threat because he'll go ahead and call a match as well. And he did a great job, and he had no notice. But that's another side of the coin. You, you still didn't have Rogan. That is true. So what do you do in those kinds of situations? I think the number one thing that you need to is they said the same thing. They called the same fights. 
They sat in the same position. It was same, same, same across the board. Don't think you have to bring in a British accent for me. They did the same thing. One made you feel different. It's the power of an emotion. Joe Rogan is very representative to big things within the sport. I'll tell you one thing that Joe does that other people can't do. Because I do think everybody can call the fight basically the same. You say what you're seeing, you're an expert in it, you got a passion, you seem to enjoy it. The post-fight in-ring interview. That is one of the most difficult things that you will see. And I realize that I've already lost you guys that you're going, Chael, are you trying to add appreciation to the luckiest guys in the room that are the commentary team who get the best seat in the house and get to participate and get paid for it? I, I get it. I, I get where I'm never going to win you over to this guy's really good at that. But Joe, specifically in this moment, it is hard to do an in-ring interview that isn't painful. You go in there, the person's tired. They want to say their piece to the world, but they're not overly thrilled to be saying it to you. You're guiding where this is going to go, not to mention they're going to th three questions out the door. Put you at about 45 seconds. They'd like to thank some people. Maybe they got a mouthpiece in. They're huffing and puffing. They've been punched. It's a tough moment. And Joe can go in there and have a conversation. Joe can turn this into a conversation and a lighthearted moment. People are calling people out. People are thanking their mother. People got tears in their eyes. Joe will keep it light and he'll keep it playful. And it's a skill. I think Joe was born with it. I don't think that Joe could teach it. But I, I know it when I see it and it's recognizable. And you will have... You will have a boss, but then you'll have your leader. And it's not always the same thing. I mean, I can tell you when I was at Bellator, I got to work with some really great people, but it did not matter who was in the room. Everybody would look to Big John. Any decision or any topic that came up, there'd be a debate back and forth, and then every eye would go to Big John, and he would say whether it was left or right. It's the way it was. It was a leader. I would assume within that team that Joe, at a seniority, if nothing else, is the leader. But then you have professionalism at its highest with John Anik. If you're going to come out and try to copy somebody, you go, okay, I want to be a commentator. I want to call live sports. Specifically, I want to call live fights. You don't copy me. You don't copy Bisping. You don't copy Rogan. You go and you emulate everything that John Anik does. Nobody puts in more time than John Anik. Now, some of that's an opportunity. John has more opportunities to put in more hours. But either way, that is a very literal statement. Nobody puts in more time than John Anik. But nobody can show up more prepared and organized than John Anik. John is not just on in front of your TVs eight hours a day. He goes back to the hotel. He's still on. He will show up with papers. He'll know that whole stack of papers inside and out. I've looked at his, I've never seen notes more organized. And I had some really smart kids, science, mathematics classes coming through school. Nobody's more organized than John Anik. Nobody is more prepared and nobody can put in more time. If you want to talk about professionalism, I just got into it with Anik over the weekend. John Anik cannot stand when anybody cannot correctly pronounce a fighter's name. It will drive him insane. He will, he will want to reach over and smack you. I can't get a name right. Do you know how hard Nurmagomedov is? Zabit Magacheryapov. Do you know how hard this? Stipe Miocic was a hard one at one point. You ever heard Joey Diaz try to say Stipe Miocic? These are tough names. But Anik believes inside of him, for most fighters, all they're going to get is a well-produced video that somewhere down the road, 20 or 30 years, they can show somebody else. This was me. This was the goal I set. Here's what I did. And at a minimum, they deserve a professional announce team to say their name correctly. John's right. 
I'm not right on this. I need to get Tai T Vasa, but it's not Tia Vasa, it's Tui Vasa. All right, that sounds the same to me. Tia Vasa and Tui Vasa, I feel like we're saying the same thing, but it's not the same thing. It's not. So you have these guys in all walks, and now Bisping's seeing it. Bisping, I don't think, has ever had to talk about hate before, and he used to get it when he was fighting. He would get it when he was fighting because he was searching for it. I think on this side of the desk, he's going, hey, wait a minute. <laughs> hey, wait a minute. I'm just seeing the action and bringing to you guys at home what has happened and what I perceive as an expert is going to happen. Aren't we all in this together? Bisping had to address it. I don't know what's been said to him. I imagine it was through social media channels. You probably have to be Michael Bisping to see all of the comments. But whatever it was, it was enough that he had to come out and speak out. Big shoes. Interesting story. I don't know if I agree. I admit you feel something when Joe's there. I admit that. But I think as far as saying what you see and calling the action, I thought Michael Bisping did a perfect job. All right, guys, that's it for today's episode. If you enjoyed it, please head on over to Apple Podcasts or Spotify and leave a review like the one that says Pastor Chael bringing us the truth. Well, thank you for that. You're damn right I do. Have a great weekend, everybody. Enjoy the fights and come back next Wednesday. Tell that I'm Chael Sonnen, and you are welcome.